What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You gave me, Lonnie Poindexter, some great stories and I I don't want to Bigfoot your show. I don't want to Bigfoot your interview. But when the final day and time and location for this interview to come out, um, send it to me and I will pump the media on this like crazy. Because just the stories that you shared with me about that were absolutely astounding. Yes. Um, in the chat room, by the way, uh, the show stopped and I started it again. But in the chat room, I put in the location of Clarence Henderson's, um, his website. So in, in the chat room, it's Clarence Henderson, just like it sounds, dot U.S. Clarence Henderson dot U.S. And Alaskan says, yep, lost the show. Well, if you refresh again, then you'll get it back. The show will come back. We are here. So that was a... I. I should have done this before because now we got into something kind of serious, but I told Lonnie at the beginning of the show, I'm going to try to read something, and I decided that I want to have some some more humorous things to begin the show. And I had a couple of uh, comedy cuts the past three or four times, but I came across this in Twitter, and I thought, okay, it... Very seldom do I actually laugh out loud. There will be things in movies that people are n- next to me are splitting their sides over. And it's not because I don't get it. It's just that for whatever combination of reasons, I don't think that stuff is that funny. I, I don't know. I'm I'm wired really weird. Now, now let me jump in here and say so you know I'm now going to be on a mission. To do whatever I can, I have to do to get you to spit out your coffee or your tea from something. Well, let it's gonna be my mission in life. Let me tell you, there were I've done that a couple of times. Uh, one of the guys in patrol got me, and I literally all over my uniform, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, right into the carrier for my for my bulletproof vest. That was a time, that was a time. But I read this. And first, I barked like a harbor seal, mm-hmm. and then if I had been drinking something, I would have been wearing it, and so would have my my computer screen <laughs> as well, and the bottom of my desk. And I don't go for these jokes. I don't go for this kind of stuff. Okay, let me give it up. It's a fart joke. Okay. Okay. So, it, but it's not a joke per se. I just liked the way it was written. It was written in a very interesting way, and it's from uh, an account on Twitter called Mickey Blowtorch. Okay. At Mickey Blowtorch. <laughs> never read the dude before. I followed him. Never saw him before. Somehow, you know, I can never tell what's going to be in my stream and what isn't going to be in my stream because I'll follow people and I won't ever see him again. I don't know. I have no idea how that crap works. But Mickey Blowtorch. And he starts it off, and because Twitter only has 175 characters, right. he had to keep, you know, adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. 
Okay, so uh, he had about seven or eight segments of this, and I'm going to see if I can get through this. I think I can. I read it a bunch of times so that I can get through it, because the first time I read it, I, I absolutely could not. And it's called The Best Fart of My Life Was at a Hobby Lobby in Phoenix. Uh, I had been out partying my balls off and drinking like I was Keith Richards' grandkid, partying hard and eating street food at 3 a.m. drunk. That's the kind. The next morning, I was still sauced. We went and ate breakfast. I had this glorious damned omelet stuffed with chorizo and covered in guacamole. This fucker was glorious. An hour or two later, my father, father's girlfriend, brother, and sister-in-law all go to Hobby Lobby for whatever random reason. I was feeling the hangover hit hard. All of a sudden, every bad decision I'd made in the last 24 hours landed in my asshole like Buzz fucking Aldrin landing on the moon. Holy shit, I knew this was going to be the most vile, the most evil thing I have ever shat in my entire life. I searched the store for a target. Heaven opens up and angels start singing. I find it and it's beautiful and soon to be breathtaking. I had found a 90% off aisle, and it's full of middle-aged Karens, every last one of them, frantically searching for the best offer before the other Karens found it. I engage. Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. I crop dust the length of the aisle with the dankest, wettest, hottest fart to every glorious birth itself from my ass. I find a safe spot to observe, and what I see next is beautiful. The smell hits, and it is hideous every last karen looked like they'd been punched in the face by a six-foot turd they refused to leave they fucking refused to lose out on a bargain they stood there marinating in my moist and palpable glory their faces contorted into amazing looks of disgust and hatred when I couldn't think it could get any better, I hear my sister-in-law scream. She walked face first into my evil abomination. Tears were streaming down my face. My brother was upset and embarrassed. My father eventually walks into it. My entire family was upset. Okay. I don't know how it struck you, and I had to read it a whole bunch of times. Uh, when I first read it, I couldn't read it all the way. It was it was no more complicated than that. So I guess next time I'm going to have to have uh, an actual comedy bit. Well, this, um, God, do I want? You know, it's got me, Chuck. I'm still chuckling from it because I can picture the whole episode taking place. Yeah. And and leaving leaving that that bomb there and then walking off and watching folks stumble into it. Now, you know, with me and stories, I have a, a, a friend of mine from, uh, uh, I won't say his name, he passed away recently, tremendous guy, just funny. He just had the funny gene. And um, his humor came from his mom, and who he affectionately called the queen. And um, so he was, um, and I'll say this, he was a, a Filipino. And um, his mom and dad as well, the whole family Filipino, and they lived on the Monterey Peninsula. So as his mom got older, he's beginning to spend more time with her, you know, because she was getting up in age. And he would recount these stories like you're sharing, and he would do it in social media. And he would just have me screaming. So one story, because I know who his mom is, the sweetest little lady to see her walk, she's just a perfect grandma. So what she liked to do to her middle son, he wasn't the oldest, a middle son, is a son and he take me shopping and they would go shopping and what his mom would do is go down a particular aisle let one rip walk out of the aisle and call him into the aisle <laughs> Jesus. 
It's so great. And so he would walk in and then, oh my God. And then he can see her down at the end of the aisle snickering like crazy. And then she's pointing to him like, oh my God, did you see what he just did? And everybody's looking at him going, oh, you disgusting individual. How could you do that? Is my sweet little mother's at the end of the aisle just cracking up. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. She looked like church lady. You know what I mean? So, oh, praise God for a sense of humor. Uh, no kidding. And that's it. Uh, thanks for listening tonight in the uh, saloon, folks. We're talking fart jokes. <laughs> but actually, what I need to do first is start uh, things off this way, and then I'm going to move into ju- I'm going to move into crazy territory right after this. The bloviating zeppelins. HeyJackass.com. Chicago death toll update. Courtesy of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And right, folks, you can get that at HeyJackass.com. Go to HeyJackass.com, illustrating Chicago values. So February to date, shot and killed 19, shot and wounded 50, total shot 69, total homicides 19. We can progress 2-6 to 212, shot and killed 9, shot and wounded 23, excuse me, 33, total shot 42, total homicides 9. And year to date, shot and killed 65, shot and wounded 232, total shot 297, total homicides 70. Now in the 2022 Chicago shot clock, courtesy of the wonderful Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a person is shot every three minutes and 15 seconds in the city of Chicago, and a person is murdered every 13 minutes and 42 seconds in the city. City of Chicago. Jackass.com Chicago Death Toll Update. Courtesy of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And on the heels of that, I'm going to go right here. Tales from the You Can't Write This Shit Department. Graciously presented by BZ. Here in the Berserk Bobcat Saloon. This is one of those things where um, I I used to say, you can't write this you can't write this stuff and stories like this are legion they grow every day and just when you think that something can't get stupider because i'm sure people wake up i know i do lonnie perhaps you do too and think you know i i must have seen or heard just about everything Mm -hmm. except no i haven't here is a state of washington representative who wants to exempt Native Americans from a life jacket bill, H.R. 1707, in the state of Washington, because they're very used to our cold waters. Okay, that's just weird. A Washington state lawmaker exempted Native Americans, because there are a lot of of folks, a lot of tribes in the state of Washington, from her life jacket bill, suggesting their lice likely to drown due to, this is a quote, eons of experience with cold water in the state. Representative uh, Cindy Ryu of Washington, a Democrat, is the sponsor of HB 1707, a bill that would require people to wear personal flotation devices, what, what boaters commonly call PFDs, while on stand-up paddle boards, kayaks, and canoes in an effort to prevent drowning deaths. Okay, well, you know, more nanny state. Well, I guess that's why you go there to Washington anyway for more of that, because otherwise you wouldn't vote for it. Uh, The legislation, however, includes an exemption for members of federally recognized Native American tribes. The quote is, The exemption came up during a remote hearing on the Hill where Ryu defended it while suggesting Native Americans wouldn't drown 
due to their eons of experience, just as I indicated with the cold water. The few exemptions you see, including the tribal members, federally recognized tribal member exemptions are based on responses from the community. These are situations where they have been They've had either extensive training or are traditionally very used to our cold waters for eons, essentially, or are very closely supervised. I'm not sure I understand what a closely supervised Native American is. <clears throat> but I, I this doesn't this doesn't burgeon into the Schadenfreude category, but it's the scratch your head category and I sure as shit don't get it category. Because if you go to the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, because everybody says they're the people that you need to rely on. Now, if you go back and search for this, it turns out that Native Americans actually have the highest rate of drowning among all racial demographics. Okay. And riddle me this. That makes sense. Uh, this this opens a door that and so nonpluses me. I almost don't know where to go with this. But it's it's as if um, we're going to do away. We're going to defund all the police in the poorest and most critical areas in our larger urban rat cages around the United States because apparently uh, no one needs police protection. People of color don't need police protection, and apparently Native Americans are floaty, cork-like little bastards themselves. <laughs> Where do you find this stuff? I I don't get it. This comes from the same place as the, uh, the Democrat uh, congressman who um, was speaking to the Navy senior brass and inquired about his concern that the island of Guam would capsize if they built too much infrastructure on one side of the island. <laughs> He's still in office, by the way. Let's see. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was Hank Johnson yep. in, in Guam. Good old Hank. And Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, is also home to a whole bunch of other crazy people and I, I cannot think of the chick who was a loon that came from Georgia as well. Stacey Abrams. Before her. Before her. Ooh. And uh, funny you should mention that, Lonnie, because here's um, that's another reason we talked about uh, why why I like two people, uh, so I can find things like this. This is what Lonnie was talking about. Level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore, and at its smallest level, uh, or, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's... Uh, okay, this is represent, for people who haven't heard this, and I, I think maybe a two-year-old hasn't heard this yet, this is Representative Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia, talking to an admiral... Yep about the island of Guam, which is a territory of the U.S., and he's talking about his fears due to this island. This is true. This is live. I didn't make this up. Seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? Uh, I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think. This is Admiral Robert Willard. 
doing a great straight face. <laughs> Guam yes, is a small is. island. Very small it. island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20 about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. Can't wait for it. And um, I don't know how many square miles that, that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to God you. God bless you, Robert Willard. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize uh, we don't anticipate that the uh, the Guam population I think currently about one hundred and seventy five thousand and again with eight thousand Marines and their families it's an addition of about twenty five thousand uh, more uh, into the population the whole island will uh, become so overly Populated right. that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Right, because um, of the addition of eight thousand troops, eight thousand U.S. troops. He was high as a kite, as a Georgia pine. You could hear it in his voice. And and he and he's going really slow, uh-huh. and he's emphasizing things that don't mean a thing to anybody. And I'm sure this admiral is. And I look at the video, you know, someday I'll, I'll be able to, to uptick my show and, and display video. If you could see the admiral kept a straight face, except for about two or three seconds where even he was beginning to process. Am I hearing what I think I'm hearing from this dude in front of me? And the answer was yes. He was definitely hearing that. OK. Then there's. Oh, gosh, I don't want to get to that story. I, I want to get to this co- this story. This, again, came out yesterday. This is from NPR. Some of the other people have already addressed it. And here it is in my little fingers right here. And this is from NPR. The headline is, which skin color emoji should you use? The answer can be more complex than you think. Okay, so (laughs) let's throw a little bit of context into this, if we can. And the context is is something similar to, let's see, we're in massive inflation. We'll get to that. We're, um, there's a a, a critical essence going on uh, in, in the Ukraine. Russia is about to invade Ukraine, or so he says, and so people think. And so who really is Putin's poodle? Was it Trump? Was it OMB? Or does it turn out to be Joe Biden? And then I think China, once the Olympics conclude, is going to look and see what happens in Russia via Putin and decide whether they're going to go into Taiwan. What a lot of people don't know about Taiwan is you get a lot of your products from Taiwan. Well, not these days because the ships aren't going into the ports. They're moored 30 miles out so that you can't see the ships waiting to come in anymore and so that people on the shore can't look and go, oh, it's Joe Biden keeping all those ships from coming in. No, you can't see him anymore, and that's why they're anchored that far away. And the the other aspect is, okay, crime is rampant, the border is overflowing, and 
which skin color emoji should you use? This is what passes for a great article in, in NPR. This is by Alejandra Marquez, uh, Jancy, Patrick, uh, Jaron Watanan, and Asma Khalid from NPR. Heath Rosella identifies as three quarters white and one quarter Filipino. And of course, at any time, Lonnie, please weigh in. When texting, he chooses a yellow emoji instead of a skin tone option because he feels it doesn't represent any specific ethnicity and color. Boy, would he be wrong. Poor <laughs> bastard. He doesn't want people to view his texts in a particular way. He wants to go with what he sees as the neutral option and focus on the message because why wouldn't you? I present as a very pale, very light skinned. And if I use the white emoji, I feel like I'm betraying the part of myself that's Filipino, Rosella, of Littleton, Massachusetts, said. But if I use a darker color emoji, which maybe more closely matches what I see when I look at my whole family, it's not what the world sees, and people tend to judge that. So in 2015, five skin tone options became available for hand gesture emojis, in addition to the default Simpsons-like yellow. Choosing one can be a simple texting shortcut for some, but for others, it opens a complex conversation about race and identity. Now, if I had a producer, what you would have heard is choosing one can be a simple texting shortcut for some, but it, for others, it opens a complex conversation about race and identity. I use the brown one that matches me, said Sarai Cole, an opera singer in Germany. I have some friends who use the brown ones too, but they are not brown themselves. This confuses me, said apparently the chick who is easily confused. Cole is originally from California, identifies as black and an American descendant of slavery. She said that while she was not offended when a non-brown friend uses a dark emoji, she would like to understand why. I think, this is a quote, <clears throat> I think it would be nice if it is their default, but if they're just using it with me or other brown people, I would want to look into that deeper and know why they're doing that, she said. <gasps> Jennifer Epperson from Houston identifies as black and said she changed her approach depending on who she was talking to, because, you know, that's some critical stuff right there. Mm. I use the default emoji, the yellow-toned one for professional settings, and then I use the dark brown emoji for friends and family, she said. I just don't have the emotional capacity to unpack race relations in the professional settings. And then this is another portion of the article, uh, a critical notation, is the yellow emoji really neutral? <gasps> <laughs> There's the million dollar question. Uh, well, then that, that begs uh, this. Well, is it? A 2018 study published by the University of Edinburgh looked at the use of different skin tone emojis, what it referred to as modified emojis, on Twitter to find out if the modifiers contributed to self-representation. Alexander Robertson, an emoji researcher... Lonnie, is this, uh, does this fall into the category of navel-gazing? Just curious. It just... Can you believe this is what NPR decided to assign three reporters to look at, sift through, and then come up with this one day ago? This is what passes for criticality at NPR. Yes, Yes, and I say representative of, of uh, mainstream media in general. Uh, they run out of stuff to talk about uh, of any consequence, so we end up on listening. Let me tell you what I do. 
uh, you know, because I'm a malcontent anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I had someone, uh, I won't say the name, because if I said you guys, you would know who I'm talking about, um, who confronted me about the emojis that I was using. Because I would just pick the first one that would show up on my phone or on my computer. And it was usually the, the, the yellow one. And, um, and the other one, and then I got a, when I got the response, why don't you use an emoji that reflects who you really are? I said, I can't believe you just said that. Then that got me going. So then I just started picking stuff, you know, so <laughs> all, all the colors and everything. Cause I like screwing with people, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you that way. And I said, is this really what we need to be discussing? What I'm trying to shoot uh, to do is convey an emotion associated with something I'm saying. That's what they're for. Uh, and uh, they're not for now you can I, I guess uh, on the Apple platform they've got some emojis you can use you can really dial yourself in you get your hair color and all like that and, and I use that one sometimes just because I think it's kind of cool are, I, I've never found out Lonnie Poindexter are you an Apple dude uh, I'm becoming let me let me uh, we can go down a rabbit hole with this one okay um, I loved Apple when Jobs <clears throat> Um, when he passed on and uh, Tim Cook took right. over. Right, the new, isn't he the new CEO, current yeah. CEO? Yeah, he's the current. Um, that's when I begin to have issues with Apple um, because of his stance. You know, he's using the company to uh, trying to drive our culture a particular direction. I'm sure you know he's, He's a little light in the loafers, and um, I can say that on your show, huh? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I sure can. And um, and so he tries to pull that into um, decisions that the company makes. And I just tell people, you know, what people believe in and who they think they are end up reflective in decisions they make on business. Now, Jobs, for all the wonderful things he did, um, um, and, and maybe not so wonderful things that I disagree with him about in terms of direction for Apple, you never had to worry about about that kind of crap, um, but it cook you do. And so, uh, long he story short, you make that decision. Yeah, yeah. He was just about making money, and 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 for any true capitalist, that's what sh- they should be a part of, and um, and, and maximize the shareholder value and all that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, all that to say concerning Apple, I have Apple products, but I've never bought any new Apple products. I always buy mine secondhand, including the cell phone I have in front of me and the, uh, uh, the MacBook Air that I used to, you know, to, uh, um, you know, to surf the net and all that kind of thing. So there's my long story short. <laughs> I tried Apple. Uh, I tried a, um, God, what's their, their, uh, I tried a MacBook yeah. from many, many years ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, they they name their uh, their their operating systems like you mm-hmm. know Flak Paint Propeller and Frozen Kitten and and uh, <laughs> Custard Jubilee and all yeah. that kind of crap. And so I tried one for a while, and everybody said, "Oh, you're going to love this. It's absolutely intuitive." Well, oh. I I've kind of been a PC guy for a while. I didn't find much intuitive about that. That's I don't know. So some people love Apple. I get it. Mm-hmm. Some people love PCs. Mm-hmm. I get that too. Hey, I because of the problems with Spreaker, I have not gone on a promo, so I'm not going to do any promos tonight because just on account of it's my show. I just want to remind everybody of one thing. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. 
And I'm reviewing a, a, an article from NPR from yesterday. Uh, and the headline of the article is, Which skin color emoji should you use? The answer can be more complex than you think. I'd like to finish the article, and it, it goes on and continues. Alexander Robertson, an emoji researcher at Google and Ph.D. candidate involved in the study, because this is worth dropping everything for. For emojis, the study of emojis. Um, that's like, you know, me back then in the 60s going to college and, and getting a degree in underwater, intramural underwater basket weaving because it would serve me so well the rest of my life. He said the emoji modifiers were used widely, but it was people with darker skin who used them in higher proportions and more often. Okay, cool. You want to use an emoji? Fine. Knock yourself out. After another look at Twitter data, Andrew McGill, the writer for The Atlantic, found that some white people may stick with the... Uh, here's, here's where it just gets all clustered up in a traffic jam. Some white people may stick with the yellow emoji because they don't want to assert their privilege by adding a light-skinned emoji to the text or to take advantage of something that was created to represent diversity. I guess he doesn't write it, but I guess that would be cultural appropriation. There is now apparently cultural appropriation of emojis. So perhaps like Heath Rosella, they simply don't want to think about how their message could be interpreted. Ah, uh -uh, here comes the big, the big butt. Bertha Butt. She was one of the Butt sisters. Yes. But Zara Rahman, and boy, that's a 70s reference that almost nobody <laughs> is going to get. Nobody is going to get that one. And I'm saying, yeah, because I know all the words yeah. to that song. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> a researcher and a writer in Berlin argues that the skin tone emojis make white people confront their race as people of color often have to do. For example, she shared Sarai Cole's confusion when someone who is white uses a brown emoji, so she asked some friends about it. One friend who was white told me that it was because he felt that white people were overrepresented in the space and that he was using emoji, so he wanted to kind of try and even up the playing field, Raman said. For me, it does signal a kind of a lack of awareness of your white privilege in many ways. Now, now we're digging down into the meat of this article. This is the important shit right now. Raman, who in 2018 wrote the article for the Daily Dot, the problem with emoji skin tones that no one talks about also challenges the view that the yellow emoji, similar to the characters from The Simpsons, The Simpsons, is neutral because on that show, there were yellow people and there were brown people and there were black people. She said there was a default in society to associate whiteness with being raceless, and the emojis gave white people an option to make their race explicit. And, and again, this is an article worth three writers to craft this. <clears throat> I completely hear some people are just exhausted from having to do that. Many people of color have to do, do that every day and are confronted with race every day, Robin said. But for many white people, they've been able to ignore it Ignoring emojis. Now, ignoring the color of an emoji is absolutely critical. What is it? It's critical? Uh, apparently so. Yeah, how critical? Yeah. <laughs> that critical. So, but for many white people, they've been able to ignore it, whether subconsciously or consciously, their whole lives. Because first, you know, interjection by BZ, first they'd have to give a fuck about that. 
Uh, I continue with the final two paragraphs. Raman admits there's no specific answer to all the questions about emoji use, but said it was an opportunity to think about how people want to represent their identities. I think it's more one of those places where we just have to think about who we are and how we want to represent our identities, she said. And maybe it does change depending upon the season, depending upon the context. Okay, another stellar article by leftists. Oh, 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 I, I, I got to chime in. I'm biting oh, please, lip over oh, here. Oh, please, that's why you're here. Let, let Heck me. yeah. <laughs> I, I, here's my pet peeves, and, and, and this is a huge one for me. The term people of color, as if white folk don't have color. No, we're drained. We are as a matter of fact, you just told me before the show, you said, BZ, you're looking even whiter than normal. As a matter of fact, I can't see you because you're transparent right now. <laughs> I said, yeah, I need to dial up my opacity. So luckily I did that, and Lonnie can see me can see in you. the saloon right now. Thank it, God for pointing that out to me, Lonnie. Yes, yes, yes. I, I just It drives me absolutely crazy. And, and to quote my friend Patrick Hampton, who's out of a great state of Tennessee, he says, at the end of the day, we're all shades of brown. Just one end of the color spectrum to the other. And he said that, sharp young man, by the way. And um, I said, you know, you're right. And so I, I commandeered it and I use it. And sometimes I give him credit for coming up with the term. But the whole people of color thing, because I get folk who look like me with a darker paint job. They hit me up with that all the time. We know people of color, Lonnie. And then I, I just, I got to say something. I said, white folk don't have color well you know what i'm saying you know what we're saying okay so you're looking for an identifier i said let's just pick one i, I was actually really cool when we were just called colored folk back in the day and uh, my best friend charlie uh, my next door neighbor he's my road dog and when he introduced me to his um uh, his mama told his mom about me he used the the, the word colored i wasn't offended it was an identifier, but this whole thing, people of color, drives me absolutely crazy. And so even when my white friends use it, I know you're using it as an identifier to identify so we can say, okay, you're talking about somebody that's ethnicity-wise, you know, uh, it comes from my, my side of the color spectrum. But we're all people of color. We're one race, one blood. And um, it, the fact that they utilize this thing like a a hammer and a chisel in um, in the in, in the community to divide us it, it drives me crazy i'll say this and i'll shut up you look no at, no no you are here to <laughs> opine sir <laughs> so you look at me and you see okay i'm i'm the cat with a darker paint job and i use that term specifically i stole that part. term from you the first time i heard <laughs> it i stole that phrase good good so you look at me and you make an assumption about who I am because of what you see. And I have a problem with that. But here's the deal. I'm biracial. I mean, see, I wish I had that button you had. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, if I had a producer, Lonnie would have said... Hit the button. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> Lonnie, Lonnie would have said, but I'm biracial. Oh. See, and that's why I need a damn yeah. producer over here. We got to get you a producer because no that, that, that just hits. And um, I shared that on my show one time because I had a guy that called in the show, thought he was going to um, correct me because he's and, and he's a white guy. He's a white guy who was um, had a 
either a black wife or a black girlfriend. So he made a point of uh, mentioning that and figured that give him, you know, he can speak on the topic. And so he was telling me how I missed it and and, um, and uh, missing my blackness. And he was a lefty. And so I listened to him, I listened to him, and he went on and on. I said, well, technically I'm biracial. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. I said, how would you know? <laughs> yeah. I said, you're going by what you see? And then I broke it down to him. I said, you know, my great-grandfather was white. No, he wasn't. I said, oh, really? And, and I backed his behind up in the corner. Oh, here it net, comes. Net, my producer here it comes. had to cut him off because he got belligerent. Um, but I was making a point. Oh, and, oh then he, he in, in social media, he responded, you know, uh, you're lying to make a point and that kind of thing. And I sat there, this guy just cannot accept the fact. And he's with a black chick. But he cannot accept the fact that ethnicity has nothing to do with paint job because you can be as as fair as you are, my friend. I, I, I've got, uh, my grandmother was a redhead. <laughs> She's fair, fair skin. And um, I mean, blood relatives. I'm not talking about, you know, somebody married into the family. It, it's it, a rainbow. And so it's just a pet peeve of mine. I wanted to go down that. I'm, I'm feeling much better now, but it, we're all one blood, one race, one blood. And I know we need identifiers if we're looking to explain a situation or something so we can use a term. Um, but this, because the black lefties use this to exhaustion, you know, people of color. Okay, so let me just, what you're saying is the oppressed people, my brother, is what you're saying. Those of us who have been oppressed, you know, people of color. I haven't been oppressed. Oh, no, see, you, you've forgotten who you are, Lottie Poindexter. I, I haven't been oppressed. that. Oh boy, do I have an audio cut coming up? <laughs> it's okay. So, okay, I'm on one. I haven't been oppressed. Oh, yes, you are. You just you, you've forgotten who you are. So how in heck? Like every every day I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror, I know who I am. I said, so how could I have forgotten? Well, you don't know your history. I said, actually, you don't know your history. And yeah, because um, don't you, don't talk to Lonnie about his family history because <laughs> if there's somebody here within the radius of 50 miles who knows everything about his history it's the man i'm looking at right now about four feet away from me it's lonnie poindexter he knows everything and 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 it was because um god will give you you ask for wisdom he'll give it to you and um you sometimes might not like how you get it but you'll get it and if you can stomach it and swallow it sometimes it's a bitter pill um, you learn more about how the world really works. Uh, my final point um, for anyone out there listening to the show today is um, God is the final arbiter in the affairs of man. Oh, life's not fair, Lonnie Poindexter, for some people. I said, okay, life's not fair. And I will agree with you. Who do you take that up with? Who are you saying? Life's not fair. Some guys are born short love basketball but can't play basketball because some guys are tall and they do a better job at basketball so one has privilege the other one doesn't have privilege in basketball Uh, conversely i I could go on and on on this stuff but it it, when it dawned on me and i said god showed me this 
I'm the final arbiter in the affairs of man. I cause one man to rise up and another man to lay low. That's scriptural. It's in the Bible that talks about that. But because I'm the final arbiter, I'll raise every man or every woman up in due season if you faint not and you keep your faith and your trust in me. And so when I learned that, that was a great equalizer. So I stopped seeing myself as a cotton-picking victim. I saw myself as a, an overcomer so that uh, just things rolling in my head. There was a kid I went to high school with, wasn't very tall, but he could slam dunk like Spud Webb um, because he found a way to overcome, you know, by building up his leg muscles and so forth. And he was unique. I didn't know anybody else that was his height, you know, like five foot nothing, and he could spring up and dunk the ball. Um, so we're all given talents and gifts in certain areas. And if you look on the world scene, as my, I'll say my final point, but I do go on like an old pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to close now. When you, you look on the world scene, people of color complain about the short end of the stick that we got historically because of what they did, because always they. And I said, did you look at all of history? In the totality of history, and history is his story, God's story. The totality of history, there's not one ethnic group, not one ethnicity that has um, not been on the bottom of the pile at some point in their history because men's inhumanity to their fellow man. But in due season, God rises up a people, and you can see that on the world scene, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the uh, Tower of Babel, all the way up to today, what we see today. So I, uh, I don't know why I'm on this one, but I'm on it. So I, I scream. So here you and I are. We look nothing alike, but we have more in common than people who look just like me or just like you, for, the, for that matter. We have more in common. And that's why we click. That, that's, to me, that's the, the important point about all of this. That's why I consider you my brother. I, okay, I'm done. That that to me that is absolutely immaterial. When I come back, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to tell people a little story about my very first call as a law enforcement officer, and I, I will tell this story. I'm not a storyteller. I'm nothing like Alani Poindexter. My wife can tell stories. She can spin yarns <laughs> like can. nobody's business. I'm not that guy. And she's gorgeous, by the way. You don't say that. you don't come to me for stories. <laughs> Because I'm a, I'm a crappy storyteller. I, I can talk about articles and all sorts of other things, but being able to captivate somebody and, and spinning a tale, that is just wonderful. I'm not a Lonnie Poindexter, and I absolutely wish that I was. But I'm going to tell you a story when I come back. In the meantime, I am BZ, that is Lonnie Poindexter over there, and you're in the saloon. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHL Media Network. It is he, he that is me, bringing perspective from across the sea. Join me, Jack Alexander, four days a week for the Jack Alexander Experiment Podcast as I take a unique outsider's look at the news and issues affecting life and liberty here in the USA. I'll show you what the mainstream media refuses to. Politics, border security, defense, healthcare, travel, nothing is off limits. 
Catch the Jack Alexander Experiment podcast each Monday to Thursday on Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere good podcasts can be found. Also, check out the website, www.jackalexanderexperiment.com. Come listen to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show Tuesday and Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for the best in late-night conservatarian wireless talk radio at shrmedia.com. Raised as a free-range child with dirt and freedom, BZ is broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. Jump into our plush, sumptuous, palatial, and resplendent chat room at shrmedia.com. Now, with 18% more umbrage and 20% more bulbosity than previous shows, and with delicious Liberty Additives. Remember, BZ realizes that with great beard comes great responsibility. No chinchillas were harmed, embarrassed, or the focus of any sarcasm whatsoever in the making of this ad. It's your business diva here, Melanie Collette. I am inviting you to a front row seat as I discuss some of the most intriguing details of wealth and finance with today's movers and shakers in the world of business. Listen in and discover financial truths on a global, domestic, and household scale. Uncover topics that will impact your wallet today and in the future. Money Talk with Melanie airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. East, 2 p.m. West, right here on SHR Media and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio. You can't afford to miss it. After six years covering terror and corruption, the Unpleasant Blind Guy is making a change. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker and YouTube through SHR Media and on the Western Free Radio Network as I team up with Jeff Mitchell, host of the English Defense League radio show on blogtalkradio.com. Check show pages for airtimes. It's the Unpleasant Blind Guy. On EDL Radio, there's no surrender ever. Because truth is not always pleasant. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. And we're back. I'm back. That's Lonnie Poindexter sitting in the chair about three feet away from me. And uh, so welcome back to the saloon. You can listen to the show live and you can jump into our plush, sumptuous, palatial and resplendent uh, chat room by going to shrmedia.com. But there's more. So, okay, let's say you're there. You're on your phone. You're on your tablet. Go down to the bottom of the page, and you'll see where it says View Web Version. And so from there, you can click on Listen Live when you go into shrmedia.com, the full web version. Go up to the tippy top, and you can see Listen Live and Chat, or you'll, you'll see On Air on the upper right. Hit that, and you'll go right to the chat room. Now, you can create a name. You can be anonymous. You can put your real name in there. You can put somebody else's name, your neighbor's cat name. Nobody cares. Go into the chat room. Have a great time, an absolute great time, because I would love to hear from you. Speaking of loving to hear from you, and I know there's thousands of people waiting to, to call right now. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway, okay? My wife helped me yesterday to get a new phone number, and we think the new phone number works. And there is a a new phone number, and I put it in chat. I'm going to put it in chat again here. So if you're interested in calling, it's 575-208-4792. So 575, there I am in chat, 208-4792. Okay. 
And I hate it when somebody on a radio show says, call us now at 787-787-7777, and they don't repeat it again, so I'll repeat it again. 575-208-4792. And you can call in, and the phone is sitting there just waiting for you. Now, you'll hear, when you call, it'll say, hi, say your name after the tone, and Google Voice will connect you to the show. So give your name, make up a name, your cat's name, your neighbor's name, and uh, then it'll ring. Give me a second or two to pit it, uh, pick it up, and we're off to the races. 575-208-4792. This could either be really good, or it's going to be just absolute junk. I'm not sure yet. I am so looking, Lonnie, I am so looking forward to being in a free state and taking this stuff right here, this desk. I've got an L-shaped desk with all this GURP on it and sifting it out and making it actually work and actually function, getting a a good, robust internet. Uh, We're going to have fiber optic. Uh, I want to go back to video because then I'll have internet capability such that it can actually carry video and audio at the same time. What a unique concept. Imagine that. (sighs) Can't wait. Can't wait. Like I say, about another month and a half or so. In any event, I uh, teased before the break and I said, I want to tell you a story. I'm not a storyteller. Lonnie is. But I'll tell you this story because it, it dovetails into what you and I were talking about a little bit earlier. My very first call in law enforcement before I went anyplace else, I was a reserve. And I will never forget. I don't know if all law enforcement cops remember their very first call. This is my very first call. I worked in the South area, and we were in Beat 15. And Beat 15 borders the city of Sacramento. And there are a lot of poorer areas and poorer neighborhoods. Well, we got a call to, it's gone now, uh, a bar that was called Brownie's Paradise Lounge. And it was on Stockton Boulevard. And it was back at the time when if you were on the sheriff's department and you walked in, one of the first things that you would customarily hear because they didn't want to get caught was you'd hear clink, clunk, clink, clink, clunk, clunk of all the guns that were dropping on the floor from the guys that were that were armed. Right. And when you went into Brownie's Paradise Lounge, you customarily went in with at least two or three units, minimum. Minimum. So we went in there and there was a guy who'd been stabbed. And paramedics came in leaking hydraulic fluid all over the place, down the gurney, took him out. You could easily follow the blood trail, threw him in the the ambulance in the rig. And then my training officer said, okay, you go with him. So I did. I I went with that guy. So we ended up going to the hospital. He was the victim. All the rest of the guys took care of whoever the suspect was. I never saw because I went with the victim to to the... uh, Emergency room, which is right down Stockton Boulevard, thank God, because this guy almost exsanguinated. Mm -hmm. He was leaking badly. Well, he happened to be a black guy. So here I am in this this ambulance, screaming down. We go into the ER, get in there. They pull him out. And the first thing I see, because it was kind of dark, well, it was at night when we first get the call. And a bar is customarily very dark inside. And then you get into these kind of weird fluorescent lights or other type of lights that are in the ambulance. But once you go into the ER and you watch and you look at this, and I'm looking, I've never seen a guy bleed this much before in my entire life. Mm. There was only one instance I saw somebody bleed so much blood. I can tell that story for for later. That's Mm. That's a story for another day. Anyway, I get there. He's a black guy. And the first thing I notice is, okay, just like everybody else, 
the melanin count will differ on the outside, but everybody is the same on the inside. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I discovered is um, when you, oh, hey, look at this. There's a call. (laughs) And let's see if this works. So, unidentified caller, are you there? Yes, I am. I thought I would. Uh, this is the Alaskan. Hey, Alaskan. Google didn't didn't uh, uh, put my name up there. Huh. Well, but wonderful. Anyway, I thought I'd since you said this was a, a new phone number and you didn't know if it would work. This is a test. Well, thank you ever a so test, kindly. Test. Are you in Alaska right now? I are. <laughs> okay. What? I am. I am. I am sitting in my lazy boy recliner in my house. Dare you say what town you're in? Relaxing. Excuse me. Dare you say what town you're in? Oh uh, sure. I'm in Anchorage. Oh okay. Oh. Alrighty. I went there one time. Lost. 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 Uh, went in there on the uh, inside passage from uh, Holland America Cruise Lines. Had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Of course, did, didn't get much time to go to Anchorage. You know, you get like about three hours or so to putz around in town. Yeah. And that's about it. So let me ask you this, though. And, and I know, God, okay, BZ, uh, way too much inside baseball, but I got to find out. Is there a a delay on your end? I can't tell you that right now because I'm on my phone. It seems to be uh, pretty good. Uh, okay. When I uh, called, I switched it over to my computer, so it'd be on my head headphones. Okay. Uh, and I lost, I lost the end of your story. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I haven't saying, finished the story. You want to hear the rest of the story? Oh. Oh, yes, please. Okay. All right. Go ahead and call her. Hang up on yourself. Okay. <laughs> Hugh Hewitt used to do that a lot. Hey, you've got uh, uh, VZ is way too humble. He's got a lot more uh, followers than he likes to take credit for. In any event, <laughs> when this was my very first call, and um, the the thing that absolutely shocked me, one of the first things that I discovered about trauma surgery and ERs is, as I indicated, the dude was black. And the dude was maybe 20 or so. Had a terrible knife wound in the place where you don't want a knife wound, which is in the stomach, which went through the intestines. Well, in order to gauge the depth of this, the doctor who was there took a stainless steel probe, no anesthesia, nothing. This guy is writhing on the table. They moved him to an ER table off the gurney. The gurney is drenched. I should say, with a largely expanding pool under this table in the ER. And they literally kind of, people are holding his arms and his legs. And they take this Ugh. this probe Ugh. and insert it directly, no anesthesia, directly Ugh. into the wound to check the depth of the wound Ugh. channel so that they could determine whether or not they have to operate right now. It, it somehow provides some kind of information, and that was my very first call. 
in law enforcement. And that's when I discovered it doesn't make a diddly tinker's damn what color you are on the outside because every damn buddy is blood red on the inside. Simple as that. I got the heebie-jeebies when you were describing that. Yeah. Oh, man. And on that happy note, I, I want to make sure that I transition over to this. It's time for happy, happy Stories and Good Times. Let's start with this. Here's an article from Fox News. Biden approval rating drops below 40% for the first time in an average of major polls. Not just right-wing leaning polls, all polls, major polls. The White House is attempting to wrangle a number of crises altogether. Approval of President Biden's performance in the White House continues to weaken as the administration works to deal with the Ukraine border conflict, rising inflation, the continuing COVID-19 pandemic, and chaos at the Mexican border. To me, that's a happy story. He needs to get the hell out. This is also another story that came out today. And this is one that very few people process, but we need to make sure that we're aware of. This is from Axios. The headline is, U.S. trade deficit hit record in 2021. Well, if you're China, that's really good news. Here's why. The U.S. trade deficit reached record levels in 2021, rising 27% to a total of $859.1 billion, according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau on Tuesday. The big picture is... The pandemic caused a lot of people to shift their spending away from domestically produced services because we couldn't really get them and people weren't working and the doors were closed on restaurants, etc. And you couldn't walk in and just buy a dining set or something like that. So who was the biggest benefactor of all of this, this massive deficit that we're seeing right now? Lonnie Poindexter, any thoughts or speculations? I have no idea, my brother, but I'm sure you're going to share with us. China. Uh-huh. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Here's another happy story. I think I addressed this a little bit last week, but it's good news for me, not good news for the other side of the aisle. Hispanic voters evenly split between Democrats and GOP, says a Wall Street Journal poll. Then there was this. Uh, where is this? Boston Herald. Biden re-election poll shows a dismal 22% support. Harris is even worse at 12%. Okay, so what's driving all this? Well, we'll we'll get to this. Oh, oh, I almost forgot this. This is from CNN. This came out uh, today. As a matter of fact, I knew there was a reason I stuck this in here. CNN poll. Now, individually, polls tend to be a lot of crap. But it's like I, I say with regard to being able to step back and have a a scenario a, a vision to be able to see as much of the big picture as humanly possible. So if you have a couple of polls indicating, you know, X, but you tend to see a continuing trend of polls which indicate one particular direction, I would tend to believe the greater bulk of polls. And now we've got CNN coming out saying most Biden detractors say he's done nothing uh, they like since becoming president. And, of course, no one's surprised in that. 
Nearly six in 10 Americans disapprove of how Joe Biden is handling his presidency, with most of that group saying there's literally, literally nothing that Biden has done since taking office that they approve of. And that finding is from a CNN poll conducted by SSRS in January and February this month and last month. Highlights the entrenched politics dividing the nation at the start of the midterm year. Okay, but Lonnie, who put him there? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) The folks who put him there uh, now have to... uh, they're coming to the conclusion of, and let me just say this, they put them there because they believe the the rhetoric and the propaganda and the fact that what we all knew wasn't being reported by the media that they referenced to give them a basis for decisions that they make. Um, there's something I wanted to, that dovetails into what you just stated, and um, this was, I touched on on a show I was on this morning, um, the Washington Free Beacon. Biden administration to fund crack pipe distribution to oh, advance racial equality. How could I have forgotten that? I mean, that says it all right there. And you can be a flaming liberal, and that's just not going to compute with you. That's how bad things are. And then when he caught heat from media, uh, right-leaning media, uh, they backpedaled on the pipes. But the platform that they wanted to list to the tune of, what, $30 million, a grant program. It's just like, like you say, you can't make this, you, you can't make can't this up. You can't write this stuff. It's as though leftists live in a vacuum and cannot see more than two inches in front of their head. And this vacuum encases their, their head and their skull because that's why I think it's the lack of oxygen that causes them to think of things like that. That's absolutely insane. Did you not see, folks, leftists, the video that was made of the nodding drug people in the hallway of BART in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. And San Francisco gives out drugs. It gives out needles. There was a guy that was on the TV show that I was watching. It doesn't matter what show it was who was saying specifically, I'm here in California. I came from another state because you guys you guys pay better. Yes. I can get all sorts of free stuff. I can get drugs. And then when I get low on drugs and they're not providing me with a sufficient amount of what I consider to be the proper drugs in the better volume, then I'll go out and steal things from stores and from your car then i'll come back i'll boost those things i'll cash them in for money because i know where to go for that and then you guys pay me for that and you're wondering then we're going to give people cry now not just in san francisco this was a federal idea. Yes. Let's not just there. Leftists are unhappy with being with causing the ruination of most every leftist urban rat cage. No, they want to make sure that everyone in the U.S. is equally unhappy and pissed off as the people. Well, as they are. Yeah, and you would think Flyover America is like going, huh? And so when you start getting even the folks on the left coast and the uh, right coast doing that as well in those uh, liberal enclaves like uh, San Francisco and in and, and, and Los Angeles, you know what it reminded me of? Because certainly you'll remember this. 
Remember uh, Mayor Tom Hayden, who was uh, married to Jane Fonda? Oh, right. He and was he, mayor of Santa Monica. Uh, Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, was he Santa Monica? Santa Monica. Okay. All it's, right. You Santa Monica, which would be Berkeley South. <laughs> so, yeah. So they did the same kind of foolishness there. And so Santa Monica became a uh, a bastion of where folk, uh, homeless, um, drug addicted, um, nefarious people knew, knew you could go to Santa Monica because Santa Monicans wouldn't kick you off the street and, and, and tell you to you know, get off the street. And also all the free stuff was there. And it just drove Santa Monica into looking like what San Francisco looks like today and what Oakland looks like today. And it didn't cease until enough common sense folk in Santa Monica and folks who owned homes and so forth who were being accosted and attacked by these same individuals uh, rose up enough of a stink, and then he finally uh, cleaned up and changed the policies. And it's just the same thing all over again. I said, this is Santa Monica, because I was living in Southern California when that took place. To people who don't live in it, like I do, Lonnie knows that I am not living in a great place, in a great neighborhood right now, and it's surrounded by a lot of homeless camps, et cetera, et cetera. So for people that don't live in places like that, they have a very difficult time attempting to envisage how a good percentile of the Americans in in urban areas are living and what they're seeing and experiencing, those things have been perfect, purposely crafted by leftists. So anything that you're getting in D.C. or L.A. or San Francisco or Oakland or San Jose or Portland or Seattle are all things that were put in place by leftists because that's enabling their vision. Well, here's another happy story. And this is, again, where I'd like Lonnie to weigh in. Because as, as we said last Tuesday, things are beginning to change. I sense the prevailing political prairie winds are beginning. The, the vein is starting to turn just slightly. And this is an excellent example. This is from Newsweek, where the headline says Joe Biden's approval rating among black Americans is dropping. So says a focus group. President Biden's approval rating among black Americans has fallen significantly during his presidency, according to new data. Navigator Research, a Democrat-oriented group, discovered Biden's favorability among the, dem- the demographic fell 10 points over the course of 2021. Now, to me, you got to work at that because the job of many black Americans, I'll use the phrase, people of color, Because the Democrats will tell you your job is to vote for them in perpetuity. Yet having said that, we're seeing polls like this. How the hell does that happen? I I, I agree. And for uh, polls that are, in general, left-leaning polls to produce the type of numbers that uh, they were seeing now, it, it, it really says something. So, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it has to be, to me, just throwing this out there, it suggests an almost an overwhelming number of people who who are finally beginning to admit and say something similar to, you know, 
even I'm finding this mm-hmm. a little tough to stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm getting conversations from folk who look like me, uh, family and friends uh, who lean way left. And even the comments coming from, from them, uh, I don't know about Biden. And um, I just listen and then I said, well, you do recognize that his, he's not all there, you know, yeah, I, I'm seeing it. They won't say that in public. Oh no! But they, oh gosh, no! They can see it. If you if you if you're reasonably coherent, you you can see this uh, take place. But uh, they still haven't connected the dots on the individual that you supported in the apparatus that he's a part of is what's driving what's happening now. So now you've got, uh, if I could be so blunt, is you've got an imbecile. Uh, supposedly guiding the ship and i don't think he's guiding the ship quite frankly no i don't think so either i I don't think think there's others that are making decisions well and and to me it's it's visibly Mm -hmm. obvious because he cannot go anywhere without notes Uh he cannot conduct any kind of a press conference without having prearranged reporters to address in the first place he will literally look at his notes and say something similar to well and now it's time to talk to Mm -hmm. uh john hamilton from nbc Mm mm-hmm because he can't handle all of that. On that, I'm BZ, that's Lonnie Poindexter over there. We're going to have a little bit of a break. If you need to, uh, you know, maybe you've been drinking coffee or your favorite adult beverage, now is the time to go ahead and relieve yourself, and we'll be right back after this. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Southern Sense is conservative talk with Annie, the radio chick you bellas as host, and C.S. Bennett, co-host. Informative, fun, irreverent, and politically incorrect. You never know where they'll go, but you'll love the journey. Annie is a top conservative host on Top Talk Radio and features some of the finest guests packed with important politicians and newsmakers. Listen every Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, noon to 3 Pacific, on the SHR Media Network. Remember, Southern Sense is common sense. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hi, this is Eric Thompson. Please check out my new Week in Review show, For Liberty's Sake, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Check out forlibertysake.com. Are you guys listening? This is Shannon from Right Wave with Shannon and Mike in the AM on SHR Media. I know you've been wondering where we are and what's been going on. Well, folks, that's right. We're back. So please join us 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Thursday on SHR Media, on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and Facebook Live at 11 a.m. on Right Wave with Shannon and Mike in the AM at Facebook. You don't want to miss a minute. We've got lots of guests, lots of segments, and lots of interesting things. And let's face it, there's nowhere for you to go, so you might as well tune in. Again, Right Way with Shannon and Mike in the AM. We're back live on the air on SHR Media, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Thursday, audio and Facebook Live, audio and video. Yes, we are going to do video. Facebook Live, Right Way with Shannon and Mike in the AM. Hope to see you soon. 
Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. And I'm back. I am BZ. That is Lonnie Poindexter right over there. Hey, hey. Right to my right. It's Lonnie, no more than about four feet away from me. We're in the studio. We spoke before the show, and we said, you know, uh, there's something unique about doing things live. And as everybody knows, I screw up. And then I have to restart shows. And even despite all of that foolishness, I still like doing a live show. And there ain't nothing like having a discussion with an individual instead of over the teleola phone in the studio, which is why I love having Lonnie in the studio. There ain't, there's nothing like having the immediacy of somebody right here that we can riff stuff stuff off back and forth between each other, and I don't have to wait for the phone to pause, mm-hmm. or if I want to interject something, I step over the guy, and if the guy on the phone wants to interject something, he's stepping over me. Uh, that just doesn't happen. We, we get to speak when we want to, and it just makes things a, a lot easier. Okay, this is Biden. This is Joe Biden saying that he's going to bring the gas prices down. I'm work like the devil to bring gas prices down, which I'm going to working to make sure that we keep strengthening the supply chains to bring the cost of energy and everything else and the goods that come to America down by helping the ports 24-7, by changing a whole range of things. That, you know, what's happened with COVID, COVID has caused significant increase in prices in the supply chain. Okay, and did anyone there hear anything about how he's going to do this? I didn't hear anything. He's just restating the same stuff over and over. But here's what's starting to happen. And and I hope this is one of the reasons people come here. You can be a negative Nelly. I, I, I have two raisons d'etre for my show. The first is to be a counterpoint to all of the things that you don't hear because the leftists, Democrats, and what I term the American media maggots don't want you to hear. Which now, if you hear them, uh, because of DHS, you're now bordering on an American terrorist. We can get into that story a little bit later. But I want you to hear the things that you're not supposed to hear, because as an adult, I'm going to trust you to make your own decisions. You either think I'm full of crap, or you're just going to listen to NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN all the time. Okay, cool. But if you want to find out what's really happening, you're going to come here. The second is, it ain't all bad. It is not all bad. Things are starting to change. Don't mistake. Some things are going to get worse. Law enforcement is going to get worse. Inflation is going to get worse. But I've seen this before. I've lived through this before. Lonnie, you have lived this before. And when things are changing, well, let me just give you an example. Here's one example. You're starting to see that leftists are beginning to back off some of their COVID restrictions. Mm Mm-hmm. When you're a leftist, 
their world consists of hammer and nail. They are the hammer. You are the nail. And when they see something, everything except them looks like a nail mm-hmm. and needs to be absolutely hammered. But even some elements, some, are starting to realize and come around. And, and I, I sense a change. And this change, the reason for this change is going to be even the people in D.C. who are in a vacuum, even they are beginning to see and understand. And Trudeau is, is becoming an excellent illustration of this. Because they thought one or two days of, of these big, stupid, dopey, white, fat, redneck truckers, they'll go away. Mm-hmm. We'll threaten them, they'll go away. Mm-hmm. And I'll disappear uh, for a season uh, with some lame brain excuse, and it'll die out. And it didn't do that. You know, I was thinking the very same thing when you were as you were speaking, so I know where he's going with this. Uh, for me, I get, I can get pessimistic, uh, but being around individuals like yourself, um, I become optimistic because that's my natural predisposition. But sometimes you get tired and you get fed up. I, I got to tell you the the thing that kind of got me to see what you're where you're going with this is when you see all those Canadian truckers stand up and push back. Canada is not even a, na- a nation that's known for folks that push back. They're, they're not Australians, maybe, but yeah. not not Canadians. Yeah, but even even Australia went 1996. Yeah, so uh, Canada hasn't exactly quite done that. No. So when I saw that, I said, "Oh, okay." And so here is Canada, which has always been little brother to America, doing something that America's had not yet done in places yet done. I, I give the pilots a credit at uh, um, Southwest Airlines. Uh, when, when they when they push back, um, but even that did not have the impact of having all those truckers. And then they tried to downplay the number of truckers. And so you know whatever they're saying that the number is, it's probably infinitely ten, larger. Yeah, ten, than that. <laughs> yes, sure. yeah, you, you, that's that's going to be a guarantee. And so that's spurning um, and emboldening truckers here in the states to do that. And um, so I I am encouraged. I am I am heartened by all of these things, but I'm leading to a point and, and we everything is open for discussion, obviously, but I'm heading to a point and eventually, you know, what's going to end up curbing a good bunch of these Wuhan 19 restrictions mm-hmm. looming midterms and Democrat unpopularity. Uh. So it won't be the science Mm -hmm. that kills it. Mm -hmm. It won't be medicine that kills it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make a prediction right now. Remember this day. After a lot of things are said and done, someone somewhere is going to say something similar to, well, you know, no one forced you to take that vaccination. Mark my words, that phrase is coming. And already you're seeing it on the lips of some Democrats who are 
rethinking defund the police Mm -hmm. who are rethinking Mm -hmm. a lot of the Wuhan 19 restrictions with one major glaring exception. Mm-hmm. Mask regulations in schools. Which is what Sc- they're after. Schools the are... When you have adults... Nobody looks at the science. Absolutely nobody looks at the science. Uh, I'm going to have a show which will be, and I keep saying this, but I'm in the process of moving and Lonnie sees what kind of crazy topsy-turvy environment this is in the house. But I'm going to try to have a show before I leave and have to shut this down and move it to have a show about Wuhan 19 Mm -hmm. and all the new things that have come out. There's so much that people are not hearing that you're not supposed to hear. And I'm going to come out with a, a show which delineates and details a whole bunch of that. This is an audio cut that I'd like to play right now. What is this? About yeah, about five minutes uh, from a lady named Donna Jackson. And she was saying essentially, Lonnie, what you were saying. And I want to play this. This is from uh, Real America with, uh, let's see, where is this? OAN. We have to get involved as parents. We have to take action. Donna Jackson is the Director of Membership Development, the National Center for Public Policy Research's new Project 21. We love those folks over there. Oh, yeah. She joins me now to discuss all this nonsense and what it is doing to our kids, from the masks to the fear-mongering and to what I call, Donna, this new form of segregation, the CRT curriculum. It's mm-hmm. disgusting what we're doing to our kids. Would you agree with my assessment? Absolutely. And it's not just they're not just doing to our kids. They're doing it to all of America. This is about a socialist agenda that's designed to destroy the very fabric of our country. It's about destroying the institutions and the Constitution that actually makes this country so great. You know, they want to pit groups against each other and they do it in the name of black people. Mm -hmm. We didn't ask for this agenda. This agenda is being put forth by white liberals in the name of black people. And it's hurting us the most because it's this soft bigotry of low expectations that says that black people can't make it on their own merits unless they carve out positions for us. Okay, you said, ooh, do you want to interject something? Yes, because it just occurred to me who that is. I know who Donna Jackson is. She is a Facebook friend, and she's powerful. Uh, I met her um, in D.C. at some of the events, and um, yeah, she's part of Project 21. And you also have um, uh, my secret crush, um, one of the other speakers there. Um, she's six feet tall and gorgeous. <laughs> So I, and also another uh, vibrant woman who speaks the truth about what's really taking place there. Yes, amen. Donna's right on point and always is. I'll send you a pic of she and I together. I got to go dig it up on my phone. So uh, what you're saying is uh, she's not a short lady. No. Okay. Uh, well, I'd look probably pretty silly standing next to her. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No. Well, no, she's not. Uh, she's not. Um, uh, tall, uh, the other individual um, whose name escapes me, but they, they they run within the same organization there. Okay. Um, um, Stacy Washington. Stacey, oh, okay. Stacy Washington is six feet tall. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Let's continue with Donna Jackson. Listen, Dr. Martin Luther King, he marched, and everything that the civil rights 
movement was about was about us not being judged by the color of our skin. And yet, these proponents are saying that none of that is true, that we should only judge people by the color of their skin. This is child abuse against kids. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's abuse against people of uh, uh, white people, black people. It's just abuse. These liberals are always saying they're trying to help people, but they always hurt the people that they claim to be trying to help. Yeah, They're trying to help themselves stay in power. That's why liberal Democrats want Damn. to guilt liberal and independent whites to vote for them and act like they actually care about black and brown people while they continue to push and tell you, Donna, and any minority that you will not get ahead in this country because of the color of your skin. I'm so thankful for you for coming on and speaking truth because you know what? what? What do I see right now? I see a beautiful patriotic American on the screen with me spitting truth. Okay, let me stop right there. Sometimes weird-ass thoughts come into my brain housing group. This is one of them. Maybe this is a culmination of seeing all the crap that's been going on since 2016 and actually, in truth, before that. This uh, interviewer, whose name I do not know on OAN, is speaking, he's white, she's black, uh, but they're speaking a common language in terms of reverence for conservatism. That's what's going to keep things going and rolling in this country. I, I have been hesitant to say this before, but after all of the things that I've seen, I've been disabused of believing in essentially anything remotely resembling coincidence mm -hmm. anymore. And I have come to believe that it's massive gaslighting on a monumental scale. I haven't even gotten to the Great, great Reset stuff, and I will. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to, to get to the Great Reset show that I want to do with yourself included as well here while I'm still in Sacramento or whether it's going to have to be after I move. I want to get to that show. But one of the the biggest things, and again, I draw no line in this. I don't care what color, but apparently uh, it, it, it's a rainbow of color, colors. Without a doubt, the greatest demographics and numeric majority, numeric majority of persons who are racists in this country are leftists and Democrats. Yep. And what, God, I can't remember the, who said this, but essentially what they said is what these people, and I, I cannot, I'm trying to remember to whom I must attribute this, but someone somewhere said, and it's been bandied about all over the place, what these people are accusing you of, you, meaning conservatives, are exactly what they are they doing are. themselves simultaneously. And I'm talking black racists. I'm talking Asian racists. I'm talking white racists. I'm talking gaups, guilty overeducated white people, because racism is endemic mm -hmm. all through the leftist ranks. Yeah. Because they deem those that are victims in their eyes as inferior. And that's what just infuriates me is 
oh, your people, Brother Lonnie, have gone through such. And I just bristle up. The hair on the back of my neck rises up because I, I know it when I see it coming. And they're racist. Um, they're true racist. And they're bigoted. And you look at look at what's happening. They rose up all this racist stuff. It all goes back to Obama. I mean, stuff all started when he started stirring the pot this way. Um, and now you have what's taking place here and then the current president and then the whole agenda with him. Look at what you saw in media. Um, they were jumping up and down saying black folks underrepresented, white folk evil, black folks disenfranchised. Um, then all of a sudden you started, and I know you had to notice this, my brother, television commercials and television ads you started seeing a whole lot of interracial couples because they could kill, they felt they could kill three birds with one stone. Well, let's get women in there and let's get an interracial couple. So we got black folk covered. And then you started seeing uh, homosexual couples and interracial homosexual couples. Well, you never saw that before. Where did that come from? The entertainment industry is a bigoted industry and has been so for as long. I mean, it's the reason why you didn't see any that, that you're seeing now is because back then they were the ones keeping the clamp on the television shows and all that. Um, go back many, many years. Those weren't conservatives that were owning those uh, those uh, companies and driving that messaging. Those were liberals driving that. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, no, I'm, you know, some of my best friends are black. <laughs> so not so much. Oh man! But you gotta have eyes to see. You gotta have eyes to see this in in in, in common sense, and you can you can make it out. Thank God for individuals like uh, um, uh, like who you just had on there, Miss Jackson, um, who, who speak the truth. And she's not alone. She's not a minority. And when you get black folk away from uh, other black folk. And you level set with them, most of them will be in agreement with what you and I are talking about. But they don't want to be known for it because, you know, there's that, that monolithic group that they stick together based on this. And so they'll go against their own values for it so they won't look like a quote unquote sellout. I think, and, and I would like most definitely your input on this. I. I think you can classify leftists into two categories of racist. Mm -hmm. One is the political racist, mm -hmm. and they're espousing the things that they support because at any given time, fill in the blank, uh, that's where the politics are mm -hmm. that will keep them supported and in cash. Yes. And they're not what I would call the second category, which is the true damn believer. There are a few true damn believers out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is that Patricia Cullors, avowed Marxist, started BLM. Nobody mentions the fact that she is the world's biggest BLM sellout capitalist embracer, having purchased two multi-million dollar homes for herself. One in a very exclusive canyon area with many wealthy people in Southern California yeah. where she's probably one of about three black people in those areas. And I can only submit 
and conject and, and conjure that she went there because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, am I? Do I need to add another category? Am I? You know. Are there more? Am, am I right, Lonnie Poindexter, about, yeah, there are the true believers and there are the political converts because they're just saying whatever they're going to say because that sells right now. As my dear old dad taught me, follow the money, son, to know the true motivations of a person uh, or a thing, and uh, you follow the money. And she gets straight paid to be the latest rendition of what um, uh, Booker T. Washington talked about over 100 years ago, folks who whose chief stock and trade is applying uh, the plight of a uh, of, of, of black folk or any disenfranchised because it pays well. Over 100 years ago he said that, and you still have it taking place today. And, you know, and these individuals, her and the, um, and the other one, uh, both lesbians, by the way, don't even like men, um, they are um, confirmed Marxists. And, and are proud and have told you that many times. Yeah. The quote is real. Avowed Marxists. Those are their words. Their words. And so they're trained. So they didn't wake up one day and discover oh, that I'm they sorry. were Marxists. You're right. That word was in, a, in any number of BLM documents. Yeah. Trained Marxists. Yes. You're right. Trained. Trained. Because they're too young to, 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 to be able to. I'm looking at them. I say, okay. When they came up with the excellent branding, I got to give them credit from that for, from a marketing standpoint of BLM. Ah, oh, man, wish I had thought of it. And um, it became a great brand that the folks with the real money, my brother, came to them and said, "Hey, we want to leverage this because untold millions. You see the nonprofits that can committed money, and here, here's this uh, um, wimpy corporate America." Because they just because nobody wants to be called a racist gets behind it, but nobody did their due diligence to find out what these individuals represent, and so they threw money behind them. Even the Ford Foundation had committed millions of dollars to them, these individuals. And so, what did they do? They got out and bought homes, and, and you mentioned a couple of homes. I, I'm told she's got more homes than that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I'm told now it's four or five, and 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 the other one as well, and they're being found out. So I think that the the veil's going to be lifted on them. But they will have done enough damage as to setting this thing in motion um, that we're, you know, we'll be reeling from this for years, except where folks like you and I and other group folks are speaking truth to get the truth out to the people. I want to play um, another little bit here, going back to, to COVID, because I've got a ton of audio. And we've got about eh, maybe about another half hour left or so, right around in there. This is... When I heard this, uh, sometimes, again, as I, as I indicated at the beginning of the show, you can't write this stuff. You can't write the things you hear. You can't write these stories. It took three people to write a crap story from NPR about something that means absolutely nothing, which has zero significance. Now I'm going to play about a, mi- a minute and 15 seconds of Jen Psaki. And to make a statement like this, uh, I don't know. You have to be either high or brain analyst. Go ahead. Jen, given that the CDC guideline still remains that masking is recommended in schools, if you are a parent, a teacher, a student living in a state where that is no longer recommended, should you still follow the CDC guideline? Yes. Yeah. So 
even if the state is not requiring that you wear masks in the schools? Well, this is where we would advise any American to follow the CDC guidelines. And as Dr. Walensky said, and you, and you referenced, uh, they're, they're constantly evaluating, right? Because uh, the data is chi changing, the science is changing, changing. it certainly is, is positive uh, that case numbers have come down, hospitalizations come down, and they look at all of that information. That's why it's also important to, to note the difference between leaders who are saying we're going to leave it up to localities, local school, school districts to make decisions. Uh, no parent who wants to send their kid with a mask should be penalized. No teacher or who wants to wear a mask should be penalized or school district who makes that choice should be penalized. No one is being penalized for wearing a mask if you wish to voluntarily. The only penalties are being levied against those who don't want to conform to that. But I have in my hot little hands, and I'm going to stop Jen Psaki right now, her answer to the reporterette was, yes, yes, you should still mask up inside. Here's a story that I have in my hands, which I printed out just for this show tonight. It was from two days ago. The headline is, California's indoor mask mandate will end next week for vaccinated people, Governor says citing a 65% drop in COVID-19 cases since the peak of the Omicron surge, California will end its statewide indoor mask mandate for vaccinated individuals next week, nearly two years after it was first implemented. Governor Gavin Newsom announced on Monday, this is in, con in, in direct contravention of what Jen Psaki is saying and advocating from the podium of the White House. You know, hashtag what the hell. There is no unity at the White House. Uh, but it, a lot of these decisions have been up to local school districts. In the past, we have uh, made, uh, we have funded. Okay, let me stop right here. I can't even listen to this crap anymore. The school districts are not listening to the science. Apparently, Stacey Abrams isn't listening to the science either. I took the mask off because I was speaking remotely to two other classrooms and wanted all of them to hear me. I really? So she has to be heard, but parents, your kids don't have to be heard. Your teachers don't have to be heard. Nobody has to be heard if you're a leftist. But it's okay for Gavin Newsom, Stacey Abrams, et al., most every leftist that you can think of, to violate all the rules that they levy for you and me and no one else. Elitism. It it. it absolutely stinks of that. Let me go back to Donna Jackson. I want to continue with her and her thoughts on OAN. I don't see an oppressed black woman, but that's what liberals want me to see. I've never been oppressed. I love this country. Go girl. I'm taking every advantage that this country has to offer. I believe in capitalism. I believe that everybody has the right to choose their own path. And I do not believe that white people owe me an apology because of something that happened to people that came before us. Preach, Nobody girl. owes anyone an apology, and everybody is responsible for their own success. Um, I believe Project 21, I don't know if you helped put this out, but they have an article out. I think we have the headline here. Uh, what critical race theory means for black America. Uh, this report, book report, not sure what you guys put out here. It's an article. Yeah. Talk to me about this. Where, where can we find it? And what will people learn if they read this put out by Project 21? Yes, we have a report that's, that gives you the origin of critical race theory. Mm -hmm. It says uh, 
positive solutions against the agenda of the Biden administration and liberals and what they really want to get done. But it also shows how uh, demonic it is in terms of destroying the black community. You know, critical race theory actually destroys the church. Imagine that, the church that's been at the heart of the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King, they say that even that is spreading racism. Yeah, that has to upset you so much and just hurt your heart. It does mine, because I know that the black community is very, very religious and faithful, deep-rooted in Christian values, Southern Baptists. I mean, come on. And Okay, let's stop right there just for a second. Think back, folks, because I guarantee you the leftist Democrats and the American media maggots are going to do their very level best to make sure that you don't hear about this anymore. What were the what was the biggest strata of individuals clamped down and shuttered during the Wuhan 19 thingy that was going on in 2020 and 2021? What was the first thing that was roundly, summarily killed nationwide? The church. The churches. And yet it was okay it, it was lauded by many people in, uh, you know, air quotes, medicine, that you needed to protest. You needed to get together in massive groups. You couldn't get together in a church. You couldn't sing. You had to be quiet. You couldn't open your mouth. And even when people took their congregations outside, there were several instances where people outside social distancing, which turns out to be a load of shit. Yep were proscribed from worshiping all around the United States of America. I submit, I may not have been quite clued in then as now, that was all with a purpose. Sure it was. Sure it was, because the church is the, uh, is the foundation of, uh, if I could be so bold as to say, a civilization, um, because the foundation of the church is family, traditional family, uh, you build a family, um, you build a community, you build a city, a state, a nation. It's all built off of that. So what do they shut down? They, they say only essential uh, businesses and so forth. And so what would be more essential than the church? I'm, I, I'm reminded by this. I'll say this quickly. I um, had a family member who uh, had to go in for uh, emergency heart surgery, end up with a triple bypass and some other things and uh, I get a phone call at 3 in the morning this was not too long ago I think I shared some of this with you and I was told by um, another family member well, it doesn't look good doctor saying he's not going to make it so what ends up happening is um, the family member says well we need to press and we're definitely going to do that she, that's why I'm calling you at 3 in the morning so um, we prayed I reached out to some folks I know that will do that and they prayed um, later that morning or, or late that morning um, my sister calls me and she says um, doctors say whoever is you've got praying for him tell them don't stop it's working so anyway long story short doctors didn't think he was going to make it through the night he's alive and with us today and he went home early from the hospital uh, the power of prayer, and um, those of us who have that are, that are religious and have a, a, a spiritual background understand the power of prayer. So the first thing that they do when this doggone virus takes off, and uh, and the worst was predicted, they shut the cotton picking church down, 
And I've looked at that in, in being, I'm not a pastor, but I hang out with a lot of folks a lot smarter than me, especially on spiritual things. And they said that up front, she said, Lonnie, this is straight from the pit of hell. And, um, and churches were shut down. In, and if you use the case of the gentleman going back to Canada that we were talking about earlier, talking about Canada, the pastor there who was holding church services outside of his church because they said he couldn't do it inside. He said, I'm still going to hold church because somebody needs to pray for these people in this community because of this doggone virus. What did they do? The goons went out and arrested him and threw him in jail. Now, in the States, this has never happened before where government has come after the church. I mean, I know a little bit about American history. You might correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, my brother, but the government has never gone specifically after the church. And it's because of the, the Constitution and understanding the tenets of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Now, the government is all over shutting church down. It just, and that's the thing that truly scares me. I, I go back. Uh, so many thoughts are cascading through my brain right now. I go back to what I call Thug's Law. And I learned that mm-hmm. many, many years ago in law enforcement. Thug's Law is this. What's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine. Unless you're strong enough to stop me. Preach. And what that means is, this is how, because I speak leftist, so I'll translate for everyone. (laughs) What that means is, and other people have said to me, well, they can't do, you know, fill in the blank, because that's illegal. And the answer that I customarily have to anybody saying that is, oh, really? Mm -hmm. The federal government, leftists, aided and abetted by the American media maggots, can have and will in the future do any damn thing they want unless and until there is someone or something or an entity or an organization that stops them from doing that. That was true then, that's true now, and will be true in the future. And that is how criminals operate. And that's why I called it the thug's law. Great point. It's uh, thug's law. I'm going to have to steal that. I'll give you credit, though. (laughs) It's thug's law. I'm reminded of um, things my dad taught me as a kid. um, Grade school. uh, Bullies on the playground. And um, you're going to have to face bullies, son. You can't run from them. You can avoid them, but but you're going to have to face them. Yes, because yeah. they're emboldened by the fact that you're intimidated. And so, well, Dad, what what will you do? He says, um, "Is a pack of them usually, and then there's one that's the mouth, and considers himself the leader." Okay, uh, what do you do? He says, "If you can't find a reasonable way to avoid the situation, he says, what I want you to do is ball your fist up, and while he's talking." You bust him right in the mouth as hard as you can. <laughs> That's the one you go for. That's the way you can. He says, now, his little gang might jump on you. You might get a beat down. He says, but let me tell you something. The bully will respect you, and he'll leave you alone. That's- I, I never forgot that. That's that's absolutely true. That's I- not a Christian principle, Lonnie Point. I said, oh, really? It's not? Uh, don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a topic for an entirely separate show. But there there are lies and there are gaslighting. There's gaslighting, gaslighting a plenty. I don't remember. I don't know if if people remember during the RNC uh, convention, probably two years ago, maybe three years ago. I'm not sure. 
Uh, former NFL player Jack Brewer said in that convention. Mm-hmm. And PolitiFact made bank on this and said, none of this is true. But the according to them, the attack was that Black Lives Matter wants to abolish the traditional American family unit. Mm-hmm. And Jack Brewer said that on their website, it openly calls for the destruction of the nuclear family. And PolitiFact said, that's a load of crap. Here's what no one is telling you. It said that on their website. And then when they started to get heat for it, they took it down. Mm -hmm. There is, by the way, folks, if you don't know, I can't think of what it is offhand, but there's, uh, it's called something similar to Wayback Machine, Mm -hmm. where you can go in, search for something, and find that. Because everything that is on the internet at one point or another is recoverable and discoverable. Yes. And then it is discovered that BLM went in. That information was there. PolitiFact lies. Leftist lies. Leftists lie. And you must get your sources and your news from as many places as you possibly can. I quoted this maybe last Tuesday night or next last week. I'm not sure. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Thug's law. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine. Unless you're strong enough to stop me. Laws don't matter. We have discovered that laws absolutely don't matter anymore. They only matter, however, when people are strong enough or resilient enough to decide, well, you know, that's wrong. And yes, we are going to have to fight that. We are going to have to make sure that that happens. Before we go, um, there was an interesting uh, tete-a-tete that's been occurring for the past uh, couple of weeks now about Joe Rogan. And so um, Rogan was uh, excoriated because he let Dr. Robert Malone, the originator, the co-originator, of mRNA medicine who talked on Joe Rogan's show and spoke knowingly about what is going on with various vaccines. And, of course, Rogan was taken to task, and it was up to leftists to make sure that he was destroyed utterly, destroyed utterly, Mm -hmm. completely destroyed utterly. So they went back into all of Rogan's shows And found out where he had said the N-word many, many times back when it wasn't terrible Mm -hmm. for people in the media Mm -hmm. and people with an MMA background like he has to say things like that. Because that was just part of the culture and how things were back then. Our friend, our very own good friend from SHR, and I told her I was going to play it last Tuesday and I didn't get around to it. Because so much material, so few, t- <laughs> so little time. Melanie Collette, mm-hmm. who had Money Talk with Mel right here on the SHR Media Network. And she is on uh, Newsmax now. Mm-hmm. And she had uh, this to say about Joe Rogan 
and she is a Project 21 member, and I think this is about five minutes or so. Welcome back to American Agenda. We await the press conference. We will go there, so uh, just to let you know. Uh, the Joe Rogan Spotify controversy not going away. Spotify now confirming that it has pulled uh, episodes of Rogan's popular podcast for Rogan's use of the N-word. Now, according to reports, 113 episodes have been pulled so far. I don't know that all of those have to uh, connect to the N-word, but there are other things that he said that may have been offensive. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's Absolutely. part of what's going on. And he has also since apologized for his actions. Everybody take a listen. I know that to most people, there is no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. Okay, so is it simply a matter of time before Rogan is canceled altogether? Joining us now on our panel, Florida businessman, lawyer, and GOP strategist Ford O'Connell, and host of Money Talk with Melanie and Project 21 member Melanie Collette. Uh, and, and Melanie, we, you know, one of the things that I'm wondering is, we're, I'm not saying that there's ever a, a, a good reason to use the N-word in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. but do we keep canceling people that violate these social standards, uh, or we let people make up their own mind? I'll never listen mm -hmm. to him. He's a bum. He used that word, and I find it offensive. Uh, or do, do, do we get to the point where somebody like Rogan is canceled despite some good things he may have done? Uh, with this violation, which is offensive, and I don't want to underplay that. Aren't podcasts voluntary? Is anybody being yes. forced right. to listen? Yes. <laughs> Listening to, to them, yes. <laughs> Depends on the person. <laughs> and if we're gonna, and if we're gonna start pulling offensive things off of media, can we start with every rap song for the last thirty years? Let's start with that. There you I, go. I, I think the N word is reprehensible. If you walk, if you work around young people, you hear the young the N word constantly. It is used all the time. I just wish the left, for once, would have some intellectual integrity, some intellectual honesty. Like, let's just be real here. But all of us, but we're gonna pull all of his work because he was overheard saying the N word. The N word is bannered about all the time it still is and it, listen we have a first amendment for a reason if you don't want to listen to his podcast because he used the n-word fine but for that material to be pulled down is a bad look leave it up there i'm sick and tired of people canceling racist materials as a person of color i want to know where people stand wave your confederate flag there wave it high. Go. i don't want you banning that if you want to be racist let me know so I can avoid you. We should right. not be canceling these people. We, I agree, the canceling is too much. You know, Ford, exactly. I want to bring you yeah. in because, I'm oh, sorry, but to Melody's point, um, you know, I think about also Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is going to be the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah I this can't guy, sing along to his songs, by the way. Yeah, you can't. By the way, you can't. <laughs> they'll drop me like I'm hot. I was I mean, going to say, you'd get in trouble. Yeah. Exactly. So where do we draw the line? And he's okay to be the halftime act right, right. at the Super Bowl? Wait a minute. Yeah. 
Well, to your point, Rita, and Melanie's absolutely right. If you went through the artists and the podcasters on Spotify, okay, there's people that have said far more questionable things than what Joe Rogan said. This is not really about cancel culture here. What's happened with Joe Rogan is that he's made some powerful enemies in politics and the media over the years, and this is a coordinated effort to take him out. First it was COVID, now it's this, and I promise you next week or next month there will be some something else because when I looked into this very deeply I found a Democratic aligned super PAC that was pushing the online videos money is changing hands here because someone wants to take out Rogan and they're hiding behind woke cancel culture to do it mm -hmm. so let's be very yeah. careful now as your overall point when it comes to the Super Bowl you think what is good for the goose is good for the gander but that's not how it works in our woke culture and this is about a power struggle to become on top and to use the PC culture to do it Yes. Yeah, and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, got oh. dragged into the controversy. Yes. Many call him a hypocrite. Essentially, he came out and defended Joe Rogan, and then they said, do you realize the things he said? And he went, well, don't get me wrong. So he basically kind of backtracked mm -hmm. because, Melanie, it, it's like so, the powers that be now are telling mm -hmm. you what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed yeah, to say. Yeah, the mob came for him. You're, yeah, the mob came for him, and so he has to change instead of, like you said, Free speech, if I think you're an idiot for saying something, I have the right not to listen. In this country, we let the market decide. Stop taking his stuff down, let the market decide. If people want to listen to him, he will stay on Spotify. Right. If people don't want to listen to him, he will, at the end of his contract, he'll be done. That is exactly the way it works. But right. for, for us, for anybody to say, oh, nobody should be saying the N-word, complete lacks complete and total integrity and it really ticks me off right as a legal standard that's what i love about melanie oh, yeah. is when she's pissed off and ticked off she'll tell you oh yeah she will most definitely <laughs> tell you about that yeah. I, I want to wrap up the show with one with one question but before i do that uh, you know if it's if it's okay to go to do a deep 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 dive over any number of years for Joe Rogan, then I submit that maybe it's it's time, past time for a deep dive of 1985 Joe Biden. Confidential uh, portions of your staff memo they brought to your attention the allegation that important legislators and legislators in defeating the Nunes plan in the basement said, "quote We already have a mayor and we don't need any more big shots." And the court cited evidence of discriminatory intent on the part of. Other legislators, including the representative who testified at the court hearing, that there were legislators, quote, who don't feel they wanted to have a district that would be able to elect a black representative. And, uh, you know, although he doesn't give actual evidence of intent, we have uh, the conclusion of some. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.